Hello, and welcome to episode 83 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. So I want to start this episode just by taking a deep breath. This has nothing to do with today's topic, but more that December has been a really crazy, really busy, and mostly fun month for me, and I'm imagining that it's similar for all of you. I want to give you a sense of what I've been up to because a lot of it is in service of all of you. First, I am starting to write my next book on managerial greatness, and I am trying to collect hundreds of stories about great managers, and it is turning out to be harder than I expected. I have heard from quite a few people that, unfortunately, they've never had a great manager, which tells me that this book and good manager training and coaching is really needed in the world. But it means that trying to gather all these stories is not so easy. So if you have had a great manager, please tell me about this person. And when you do, you'll have the option to have your story shared on an upcoming episode. So thank you to David for sharing your experience with Naomi. I feel that she is a great manager because she is so sincere, encouraging, and engaging with her team and with me. The tone of the notes, emails, and any communication are always positive. She is a member of the team first and the leader second, which we love. And thank you to Annie for sharing your experience with Amy. Amy gives me the freedom to experiment and test my limits. She empowers me to take on new roles and is there to give me the support I need. I'm happy to walk in the door to work every day, and she is a big part of the reason why. I know she is always in my corner. I need more stories like these. Please help me spread the word by sharing the link for the survey with your friends and colleagues. The website is managerialgreatness.com, and it is in the show notes for your reference. The other big thing I've been focusing on is the course that I'm launching on January 6th. It's called Make More Time, Everything a Manager Needs to Know to Delegate Successfully. I have heard from dozens of managers that one of their biggest struggles is getting their own work done while also finding time to invest in and support their team. Delegation is an incredibly important skill, and when it's done well, it actually is both a form of investing in your team and freeing up your time for more valuable work or higher priorities. This course is built as a series of mini lessons, so it is super accessible. And like everything that I produce, I try to design it to be as actionable as possible so you can immediately start delegating and holding people accountable more effectively. The early bird pricing of $79 for this course or $129 for the course plus two coaching sessions ends on December 31st. So make a mental note to register as soon as you're at a computer. Go to mamieks.com slash delegation. And if you register by December 20th, you get a free bonus guide. Avoid these five common mistakes when delegating. This guide includes questions for reflection and suggested actions so you can immediately enhance your delegation capabilities. So go register for the course, tell me about a great manager, and help me spread the word for both of those. I know you already get how important it is to be a rock star manager, but if you're listening to the show, you are in the minority. So please be part of the movement to make work a place where people thrive by sharing these links with friends and colleagues. Again, the links are managerialgreatness.com and mamieks.com slash delegation, and both are in the show notes. Alrighty, today's episode is about age, ageism, and intergenerational conversation in the workplace. For the first time in history, we have got up to five generations in the workplace, and we've got major shifts in organizational culture, from the startup tech sector as an influence that workplace attire is jeans and t-shirts, 
to WeWork saying that beer on tap should be a normal benefit, to completely remote teams that rely 100% on technology for collaboration and communication. I spoke with Phyllis Weiss-Hazaro, the foremost workplace multi-generational expert, speaking with a cross-generational voice. Her newest book on generational challenges is You Can't Google It, The Compelling Case for Cross-Generational Conversation at Work. Phyllis is president of Practice Development Council, a business development and organizational effectiveness consultancy, as well as a speaker and blogger on intergenerational relation issues. This episode is a bit of a mashup based on my conversation with Phyllis, her research and writings, and a few other sources thrown in. So enjoy. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. We all make assumptions and generalizations about various age cohorts in the workplace. Young people are inexperienced, older folks struggle with technology, a woman in her 30s will be distracted by kids at home. Phyllis says that in reality, age is not a great predictor of work performance, capability, or really much of anything anymore. Yeah, I think if we went back to some time, maybe before 1950 or earlier than that, if you mentioned a particular age, it wouldn't be all that hard to convey a picture of what somebody was like. It hasn't been for decades now. People are so different in terms of fitness and their health and their capabilities and the things they know about and what they've studied and you know, the influences that they have had. So I don't like to get hung up on the exact birth years and ages, but there are just so many differences. Besides that, where you were born and grew up geographically, are you from a conservative family or a religious family, and, you know, many other things like that that all enter into what shapes us. In fact, Phyllis says there are eight forms of age, each of which provides an important insight into the individual. Yes, number one, there is chronological age, which is the number of years since birth, and generational age, which is the economic, social, political, and cultural influences that impacted an entire cohort. Then there is career stage or occupational age, which is the accumulation of experiences, competencies, skills, and social capital related to a specific line of work. What's important to note here is that it's not just about the totality of work experience. For a boomer who's been in the same industry or line of work their whole career, they're high on the occupational age. But if that same person switches industry or returns to work after taking a break and doing something else for a while, they have a much lower occupational age. Next is organizational age or tenure, which is how long someone has been with a specific employer or in a specific profession. Phyllis also points out life events age, which is the stage of moving through the common life cycle events, such as getting married, having kids, and more, as well as physical age, which is about your health and relative ability to carry out daily work and personal tasks. And then the last few are about how the person feels about themselves, their mindset. And this is relative age, how old the person feels comparatively in a group setting, social age, 
how old society or others in the group perceive them to be. And finally, subjective age, which is the individual's sense of their own age. What I find so interesting about all these different definitions is that in most cases, the chronological age will tell you very little about the others. And the reason that is important is because in the workplace, we easily stereotype people based on what we perceive their chronological age to be. These stereotypes often are in the form of ageism. Someone young is inexperienced, someone older is stuck in the command and control mindset of leadership, and you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It plays out in how we collaborate. If you feel your relative age is much younger than those in a meeting, you may feel intimidated and therefore not speak up. I remember feeling this way. It was such an emotional experience to be in my early 20s, sitting on my first nonprofit board. I was younger than ever in there by at least 20 years and scared to death to say anything. And what's so funny about this is that just a few years later, they asked me to be board chair of this nonprofit with a multi-million dollar budget, and I served in that position for five years. So clearly, they and I both moved past my chronological age. But I felt it in that moment. Now, back to the workplace. Phyllis says that there is a siloing effect where people of one generation tend to build relationships at work with people of their same generation. For many of us, it's who we feel most comfortable with. The problem is that who we need to work with, the people who have the knowledge we need to do our best work, and who we need to have good relationships with, has very little to do with age. So by gravitating to and sticking with our same cohort, we miss out on gaining important information and building bonds. This is further compounded by the fact that organizations invest heavily on hiring and onboarding and almost nothing on that long-term integration and knowledge transfer in preparation for someone's departure. And it's understandable why. It wasn't that long ago that people chose one company, one career, and stayed there most of their life. So who needed to worry about knowledge transfer or relationship transfer? Phyllis says that we need to create an environment for cross-generational conversations and stop letting age be a barrier to connection. I can see how if you're young and want to learn, you can worry that you'll be perceived as self-serving. Or if you're older and want to share, you may be perceived as patronizing. But these perceived social pressures only further disincentivize that proactive learning and sharing. So regardless of your age, be proactive and role model connecting with others. You know, you can reach out to somebody and say, I noticed something about or, you know, I've seen some of your work and I was really impressed. And I would love to learn more about it and start with something that is not particularly sensitive mm-hmm. and something positive and complimentary and that you think that you can learn from them. And then say, you know, I'd, I'd really be happy to exchange information that I have that, that you might like to know about. Why don't we go and have some coffee and start to talk? It doesn't have to be formal, but opening those conversations and offering two-way mentorship can be really powerful. As a manager, it is so important to make knowledge sharing and relationship sharing a normal and expected part of your teamwork. It is all too common for people to hoard information and relationships, and it's up to you to set expectations that we can all learn from each other. Now, what's funny is that the moments that I've seen teams and organizations do the best job of knowledge transfer and relationship building is when someone is preparing for a parental leave. Knowing that this person will be gone for six weeks or three months or sometimes even six months suddenly incentivizes them and the team to share. Plus, for many teams, a successful parental leave is part of their performance appraisal. 
Phyllis talks about knowledge and relationships being seen as a form of currency. And in many organizations, people are disincentivized to share. If I tell you what I know or what I've learned after four years of this company, then you'll take that and move up the ladder faster, maybe even leapfrogging me. Or if I introduce you to my contacts, you'll take those relationships and I may suddenly find myself dispensable. Don't let people wait until there's a baby coming or worse, until it's too late when somebody gets a promotion and leaves the role or gives their two weeks notice and now you've got to scramble to get everything out of their head. Stop waiting for somebody else to reach out to you. So there have to be incentives for sharing knowledge and your relationships with other people. They might be customers or clients or alumni or whatever it is externally, as well as other people who are on your team or co-workers or somewhere else in the company. You need to start thinking, how can you transfer what knowledge you need to transfer? And what are the hindrances? I actually have a list of 35 obstacles to knowledge transfer. And it can be, there are a lot of interpersonal things, there are company policies, there are all kinds of things that can get in the way. But as a manager, you have to really look at what can hinder and be very vocal about what is expected. And what is expected is that people share their knowledge, that they teach other people, and that it's a two-way relationship. It's not usually only the older, more experienced that can teach the younger and less experienced, which is why it's good to have mutual mentoring, not only just going one way, but that that becomes something that is just expected. And you create psychological safety. If people don't feel that they will be penalized in some way or devalued if they share their knowledge, their contact with somebody else. Mutual mentoring is becoming increasingly popular. And what's great about it is that it flips the concept of age on its head. The entire premise is that we each have some value to share with the other person. So think about who you want to learn from. Who has industry knowledge or occupational age? Who has been at the company for a while? That's organizational age. Maybe you want help navigating the complexity of the bureaucracy or understanding how things have been done around here for the past decade. And who can you help? What age benefits do you have across those different spectrums? Kick out three people that you would like to get to know better that would be useful to you and reach out to them and really start to get to know them as people. The only way we can fight age biases and stereotypes while also making work more productive and enjoyable is by working together to see each other as whole people. We need to share our experiences, knowledge, and relationships so everyone can benefit. We need to be proactive about going outside our comfort zone and getting to know people who are older or younger and seeing them and ourselves as resources for one another. We need to stop making assumptions about what someone can do, what their home life is like, or what they know based on their perceived age. And as managers, we need to encourage and continually emphasize that we expect all our team members to do the same. As Phyllis says, 
age is just a number and not a very important one. To learn more about Phyllis and her work, my newest website is youcan'tgoogleit.com, which is the name of my latest released book, which you can get on Amazon or in a bookstore. So it's youcan'tgoogleit.com, no apostrophe. And I am very active on LinkedIn. I even have a cross-generational conversation group on, on there. My email address is P-W-H-A-S-E-R-O-T at P-D-C-O-U-N-S-E-L.com, P-D-Council.com. I'm sure you will have these in, in show notes. I am on, on Twitter, all those, all those things. And I love hearing from people. If you have questions, please get in touch with me. I'm going to give you all a challenge that I alluded to a little while ago, and I'd love to hear how it works out. Take me up on it. Mamie, take me up on it. too. So the challenge is to pick, let's say, three people who are coworkers, on your team or somewhere else in the organization who you would like to get to know better, that you think it would be useful for you to learn from or that you have information, skills that you would like to share with, reach out to them, make an effort to go and have coffee or to whatever, however you want to do it. and see how you can build a relationship. And then when you've gotten through those three and you find it gets easier, then pick another three and keep (laughs) going. And just make that, and if you are a manager, really make that part of the culture of your team and spread it through the organization. It will make a big difference. So I am going to take Phyllis up on her offer, and I hope that you will join me in doing that and going out and talking to three people and building those authentic relationships and encouraging your team members to do the same. If you're looking to create more organic cross-generational conversations at work, check out episode 34, How Stories Can Transform Relationships with Ann Smith. Now, if you are a member of the Modern Manager community, you get some of Phyllis's special checklists that are only available in her book, but you get them for free. And if you are not yet a member, go to mamieks.com slash join to learn more about the benefits of membership, which include all kinds of guest bonuses and episode guides. You can subscribe to my newsletter at mamieks.com slash podcast. And don't forget to register for the course, make more time at mamieks.com slash delegation and share your stories about a great manager at managerialgreatness.com. All those links are in the show notes and they're in your inbox if you're on that newsletter I mentioned. Thank you again so much for listening and for being on this journey to be a rock star manager. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. 
To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.